Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast, Kevin AC, Padres B writer for the Union Tribune. Sort of in the dark here, I noticed, in New York. Uh, Ryan Finley, sports editor of the Union Tribune. Three games against the Mets coming up. Just one three in a row after dropping the opener in Atlanta. Ryan, what are, what are your thoughts? Uh, this is the, the team uh, we thought we were getting two weeks ago. Playing well, delivering. Uh, you know, it's funny. It's not necessarily the superstars, which gets me into the first topic here. Sunday night was Nelson Cruz show. Six RBIs. He leads the team with nine RBIs, despite playing in, what, less than half their games? I mean, he's been the pleasant surprise for me, at least in the first couple weeks of the season. Uh, What is working? Yeah, that's it, right? Like like Manny, okay, Manny goes whatever. He had a bloop single last night, and he was, what, three for five? Juan Soto's gone two for four the last two nights. They really haven't come through, like, very much at all. Mm -hmm. And the Padres are six and four, right? It's because of... Guys like Seth Lugo, it's because of Trent Grisham, Ha-Sung Kim, Jake Cronenworth, and last night, Nelson Cruz. Of course, Nelson Cruz has uh, he had six RBI last night. He has nine RBIs in his last three games, which covers the Padres' last five games. Right. Uh, almost a full third of their runs driven in uh, in that time. Yeah, look, we should dive into this Nelson Cruz. We should get preemptive on it, right? right. Because like last night, Bob Melvin was asked, is there a way he earns more playing time, right? Like his first home run was in place of Manny Machado on Tuesday when Manny Machado was ejected and it was off of a right-hander. Wow. Hey, you think Nelson Cruz could play more? Well, sure. If you didn't have five and a half months left in the season and he weren't 42. Right. Right. No, that's a great point. And, uh, you know, I think too with him, maybe part of the success is that they're putting him in a position to succeed. Right. I mean, I mean, he's facing left handers. He's uh, he's hitting, I think, in the order where you would want a pleasant surprise guy to hit. Uh, There are that's what makes this to me so delightful. And I'm using the word delightful on purpose. (laughs) This is not a guy who I expected to do a whole lot. This is somebody who, I mean, again, disappeared. The World Baseball Classic, right? Disappeared. We saw a lot of Matt Carpenter uh, for two weeks in, in spring training. And I, I think that sort of internally, maybe the expectations were whatever Nelson Cruz can give you is a bonus. And to see him carrying the load against a really good Atlanta Braves team, uh, again, just to me, one of the big surprises so far. That's a part season. of one of the aspects of this whole philosophy of building this team is sure. you build it with a lot of players. What happened in 2021? You know, Manny Machado was pretty good. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. was uh, MVP worthy numbers and they were below 500. Yeah. Uh, what happened last year? Manny Machado was a basically MVP-ish the entire year, and they had to get hot late to, you know, I think I thought they were going to be in the playoffs the whole time. That had more to do with the fact that there's not a lot of competition. Right. But we all know what happened last year. They were kind of a middling team until the end. If you want to have the kind of team that plays well, I'm not talking about 105 wins, but a team that plays well all year and knows how to win, then – it's a team that has a bunch of different guys picking it up, like the bottom of the order or, gosh, wherever Trent Grisham is hitting, what he's doing right now with uh, three home runs, uh, with getting on base every game, what Jay Cronenworth does kind of all the time, what Hassan Kim has started the season by doing. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. If they're a championship team, it's because they have Xander Bogarts, Manny Machado, Juan Soto, uh, and Fernando Tatis Jr. And, you know, three of the four had really good years. Mm-hmm. But the other guys, yeah, yeah. The other yeah. guys are very important. You need contributions uh, from, obviously, everybody in the lineup. Uh, you had a great note today. And, Kevin, 
I don't know if you're old enough to remember the Chris DeNorfia Seth Smith platoon. This may be a little, you may be on the chart. You, you may have been on the chart. Yes, but I'm old enough. You're old enough. But okay. Yes. I mean, you know, the, the Padres in their history have had some platoons where you look at them and you go, yeah, if we're considering them as one entity, that's a really good entity, right? The Chris DeNorfia Seth Smith thing was an all, he was, they were an all-star outfielder combined, right? Yeah. It, I saw in, in your excellent um, Padres daily newsletter today, you laid out the numbers from both Matt Carpenter and Nelson Cruz so far this season. Uh, that's an all-star at DH if you combine the two guys, right? Yeah. This yeah. is if they can keep this up and again, small sample size. If they can keep this up, this is uh, this is found money for the Padres. And here's the thing: I don't know off the top of my head where the Denorfia Smith platoon had to fit in, right? But I don't think it was as the fifth or sixth or seventh best player in the. I think lineup. they were hitting second. Yeah, or first. See, that's that's the thing about this is that's why you have four superstars, and and that's why you do take a flyer on Nelson Cruz. Right? Is wow. If this works, then you know. Again, he is forty-two, and we are ten games into the season. I happen to love watching a forty-two-year-old man being that be ten years younger than me succeed at this level and he is a good man it 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 seems to me based on two months of having been around him at all Mm -hmm. and he is a good teammate which is obviously far more important uh than what i think of him personally and it is remarkable what he has done through 10 games no nelson cruz is older than me kevin really he's older than me by one day (laughs) i looked it up this morning because so if you had homered last night then you would have missed by two days being the oldest Padre to ever homer. Because yes, exactly. I believe yes, that exactly. that was it, that Nelson Cruz is one day younger than Ricky Henderson was when he had his final home run for the Padres in 2001. That's crazy. So you could have been right there. How frustrating would that have been for you to be two days away from that distinction? Wow. Nah, I know, wow. I know, I know. But it's crazy. It's, yeah, when I was reading today, I was like, wait a minute, I'm like 42 and whatever it was days. Let's let's do some math. And so, do you yeah, keep track of, of how many days you are? No, 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 no. But when no, I was just, reading you writing about Nelson Cruz, I was like, wait a minute. That would be his birthday in July. Head, you know? Yeah. And so uh, anyway, yeah, he's one day older than me. But 42 and a half. Cool. You still do that? Like uh, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. 42 yeah. and a half, even though my oh, birthday is yeah. in July. Yeah, oh, 42 yeah, yeah. and a half. 42 and a half. Uh, he joked to you, uh, Kevin, that you know he can play anywhere they need him. Shortstop, right field, he can close, whatever. Nelson Cruz. Um, the Padres need a right fielder. Okay. Uh, you know, David, at least for a week. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, David Dahl is on the injured list. They called up Murrieta's Brandon Dixon. Uh, Brandon Dixon does not play the outfield, really. Um, there's an opportunity here if they wanted to push their luck with Nelson Cruz to that's put him in right field. Do they push their luck? Don't you think that's the phrase that, that push their luck? I mean, yes. Like, yes. I mean, are you going to argue that? Nelson Cruz is going to be a better defender than Brandon Dixon out there. Um, Does he have potentially a better bat? Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. You built a team that should be able to withstand a 0 for 4 or a 1 for 4 from from Brandon Dixon. Right. It's it's nice. It's a nice thing to consider. It would be really cool to see, hey, way to go, Nelson. Right. It seems to me to be pushing your luck. Yeah, and you also don't want to run the risk of Nelson Cruz getting hurt of Nelson no. Cruz. I mean, he his role, he signed with this team knowing exactly what, what the expectation was. 
which is to platoon at DH. There, that's a big and, difference from everyday right fielder. And Bob Melvin uh, is sure to say, um, and Bob Melvin does make sure to get his message out both when he speaks to players uh, and he speaks to them frequently and then also publicly mm-hmm. and, and sure to say that one of the things, if not the thing that he enjoys, has enjoyed the most uh, mm-hmm. besides seeing them perform is that both of these guys do know their roles and are here chasing a ring. Sure. Right. And so if that means that they play in 40 games, right. And do mm-hmm. their part for a team that wins a championship at, at their age, right. Like a lot of times you're like, okay, I'll take your word for it. You're not like you, you didn't go for the biggest contract or, or it was just a coincidence that the team that gave you the biggest contract was also the one that, uh, you know, you believe. Right. But when you're talking about a 42-year-old and a 37-year-old who have been around, it's a little easier to believe that, you know what, uh, he, they're chasing a ring and they're, yeah. they're going to be fine with their role. I do believe the Padres deal or uh, offer was the best for Matt Carpenter. Uh, there, there were other million-dollar and, 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 and more, actually, deals out there for Nelson Cruz. He took the one for the team that was going to help him get a world, the thing that he lacks. Sure. Kevin, before I took this job, I was just a guy and uh, watching the Padres on TV. And last summer, I really fell in love with the way Jose Azokar played. Elite outfielder, got gets some of the best jumps in baseball. Sometimes struggles at the plate. Sometimes, I mean, we've seen some of the, the, the bunting choices even so far earlier this year. But I think that this is a guy who is an elite level defender and a pretty darn good base runner. At some point, should he just play right field until Fernando Tatis shows I would, up? I would swap that he's a uh, borderline elite base runner and a pretty good outfielder. Okay. The jump's good. The route's sometimes not. He's a young player. But sure. I, I'm splitting hairs with you. But he does those two things pretty it's, well. Yeah. Yes. You are getting good at bats against right-handed pitchers from Rugnetto Dorn. You, you are. And so – um, what are you losing out there in the outfield is the question you're asking yourself if they're the Padres. And I think right. it's the question you're, you're asking uh, here. Uh, and, and Rugnet Odor the other day, uh, both the last two times he started in right has eventually been replaced by uh, Jose Azokar. Mm-hmm. Last game, it was Azokar going into right field and uh, Odor coming in to play second. So Matt Carpenter could come out of the game and Jace, Jake Cronenworth could slide over. I mean, this is an incredibly versatile team. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, hey, if, if they were to line, if they were to send a Zokar out there every time they faced a lefty mm-hmm. before uh, before Tatis returns, absolutely. Mm-hmm. If they were to send a Zokar out there when they face a lefty and Tatis DHs because somebody's getting a day off, I think that that uh, very well probably uh, is, is what you're going to see. Absolutely. Yeah, because I mean, you look, they're playing in New York. Uh, starting, and we should probably talk about the Mets at some point. Um, okay, yeah. sure, especially tonight's. Uh, we don't get Joe, but we get a rematch of game one. I think Absolutely. I don't think any of us remember game one after what Joe Musgrove did in game three, but we get you, Darvish, uh, Max Scherzer tonight, right? And where's Josh Bell? Is he is he gonna show up to, to save the Padres or no? No, did, he's, uh, he's in Cleveland, Cleveland right? So, he's in Cleveland, okay. Yeah, well, real, but I mean, you look at the next at least between now and the time Tatis returns. You're looking at games basically just in New York and at Petco, correct? Mm-hmm. Two pretty big outfields if you're a right fielder. Uh, yes, fair? yes. Hey, fair, fair, fair. I don't know. I just may, and maybe I, you've got uh, you've got you got Trent Grisham out there trying to uh, you know also 
maybe trying to make sure that he gets to some balls in the left center gap. Right. Uh, but uh, you've got a guy who's uh, very rangy out there in center field. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're absolutely right. And look, they only face one left-hander. And right. yes, great point, Ryan. Uh, Rubnet Odor, this guy, if you know his background, coming from Venezuela, baseball family, you know the guy's a fighter. Um, you know the guy is, uh, you know, a baseball guy. Mm-hmm. And that's great. He still probably shouldn't be in right field in crucial situations. Right. So, you know, you make you make a good point. A Zokar is a middling hitter against lefties and a not very good hitter who feels like he has to bunt, right? right. Against right. righties. And so, you know, you're a, you're at you're you're we're quibbling and it's a, hey, this is what we do. Um uh, over 10 games. Right. Um where it's almost like, yes, so much thought. They got five guys who travel uh, with the analytics department with them, figuring all this stuff out in addition to the the baseball personnel department and all the coaches. Mm -hmm. They spend a lot of time quibbling too, but it's 10 games where flip a coin, put someone out in right field. Right. Well, and I think that, I I think that the Rugnet Odor has earned a spot on this roster. Heck yeah. Probably just not as a, a platooning outfielder. And he will not, right, exactly. And he will not be, other than he does give you that lefty thing if Tatis is, whatever. They have a lot of versatility, and that's that's really cool that he has been added uh, there. But what he does is he is, uh, when Tatis comes back, Odor is your guy when you want to do something like you're taking Carpenter out for defensive purposes and moving Cronenworth over uh, sure. to play first. Sure. Kevin, we just talked about some guys who are kind of, you know, fringy stuff. We just got nice and dorky uh, yeah. talking about the, the right field situation. Uh, it, you don't have to be a dork to get on board with Mets Padres. Yeah. I mean, Scherzer Darvish, a rematch of last year's wild or um, wild card series. I mean, this is this is big boy baseball start starting tonight. Uh, you excited? And what do you expect from the Mets? Yeah, I, I, I am excited, and I'm trying to figure out how I can legitimize this whole thing uh, of, hey, it's a rematch, because, you know, both the teams got their own problems now. Both these teams are have moved on. But let's look at this from the Padres' perspective and the perspective of the Padres' fan. Like, that was a quintessential, pivotal, earth-moving moment those three days in New York. And so to be coming back this soon after, to be facing Scherzer, uh, if you look, Scherzer finds something to get himself riled up about all the time. Oh, it could yeah. be a shirt that somebody wore, right? Like that he saw and uh, whatever, right? And so if you don't think it's going to be in his mind, not that Scherzer is trying to win this because that would make up, no, but in, in the great competitor's mind, there is something that uh, gets you going. And for him, he was embarrassed. Uh, in game one, uh, he and Jacob deGrom were, they were made for that series and he sure. didn't get his job done. Josh sure. Bell, Trent Grisham, uh, you know, so yes, this will be one. And you got Darvish coming back and, oh, after kind of maybe, maybe this is the real start of his season. Maybe it'll be another one. We'll see what he does tonight. Uh, but you know you're going to get a capable, this is nice. What they got from Seth Lugo yesterday, you, you can be fairly certain you're going to get five, six from uh, Darvish. And I only say five because it's, you know, at this point in a, what has been a wacky spring uh, for him, a wacky few months. Sure. Um, but, yeah, no, I'm fired up. Pete Alonso has five homers. Uh, 
uh, Lindor and uh, McNeil not hitting great, but they got three doubles. Starling Marte, of course, uh, already, you know, hitting well. Mm -hmm. The usual suspects in their lineup. Um, I think what they got the lefty, hold on, they got the lefty David Peterson going tomorrow, and then righty Tyler McGill. Uh, the Padres have faced a little bit. Uh, it'll mm -hmm. be uh, Weathers for the Padres tomorrow against Peterson and Snell on Wednesday against uh, McGill. You don't have to look far to find superstars on both of these rosters. I want to, 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 to you answer to my contention about this series. I think that anyone listening knows, but I I do like to remind the folks that you are a San Diego native. You yeah. watched as much Padre baseball over the time that you were out of town. That series, briefly, you can get a little loquacious, Ryan. You know, briefly, uh, put that series in perspective for me. I mean, the Joe Musgrove thing was incredible, but it was game one where, you know, you sit there and you go, well, yeah, this team has a chance. And, mm -hmm. you know, Josh Bell, I made a joke about Josh Bell earlier. That home run from Josh Bell, uh, to me, uh, showed that the Mets had some flaws. And it was huge. I mean, if we're talking big moments in the season, it's not a top three moment. It's a top ten moment in their season. Shocked the crowd, shocked Scherzer, shocked the Padres. Yeah. Like, just in terms of, okay, here we go. And for uh, of all the guys. this crowd on the Mets. In a second, right. and especially in the postseason, these people get a little nuts. So, yeah, yeah, and of all the guys, I mean, of all the guys to do it too, right? It wasn't yeah. just that that you know, if Manny Machado went deep, that'd be one thing, but you know, it was and it was a hell of a pitch, if I remember correctly, fastball high, right? Yep. And Bell, I mean, destroyed it. It's uh, things that he didn't do all August or September, absolutely. Right. It you know, so to me, I mean, that was huge, and you know, it's so funny. We all get. The Dodger series was the Dodger series. The Dodger series, from my perspective, maybe the high point of San Diego Padres baseball in the last 30 years. Um, 1998 included. Um, people forget how clutch that Mets series was, how important that Mets series was. Dodger series doesn't happen without the Mets series, obviously. Great point. That is a great point. Um, it's in New York, which when you're here in October, you realize it's the center of the of the universe sure. in terms of sports and media. Sure, sure, and yeah, and it happened there, and it was a lot of, you know, it changed the Padre season. I think that at that point, when they got past the Mets, yeah, right. <laughs> Sorry, you could you could say it was a must win series, um, but you could say that when they got past the Mets, the Padres season was officially viewed as a success. Seth Lugo continues to impress yeah. me. Uh, you In his first outing, you wrote that he was a strike-throwing machine. I sat down in front of ESPN last night and said, okay, machine, show me what you got. And he was really good. He was he really was a good. battler last night. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, he works quickly. He's, I mean, he's a guy, I'm not sure that it jumps off the page. His stuff jumps off the page at you, but he nope. jumps off the screen at you. He his curve does. His curve does, and right. he, he, yeah, he uh, was at eighty-eight percent first strike pitch of uh, a first pitch strike last game, fifty-six last night, and right. then he also went. I didn't count it, but he went to two, two, one, got to three ball counts. This is a really good lineup he's facing, and he got out of it. He got out of it with mm -hmm. soft contact most of the time, uh, with some more strikeouts. Man, all spring training, he's just this real placid guy, and and from the south. Uh, went to this little tiny college, and it's just like, yeah, I knew I could be a starter. Yeah, I wanted to be back being a starter. And that's how he pitches, and I love that. I love that. Might not be the best quotes. I love watching it. I mean, it is one thing to watch Scherzer when he's on, DeGrom. Those are marvels.
of nature to watch Seth yes. Lugo go six. Seth Lugo, whose stuff doesn't measure up to you know uh, Scherzer's waist, right? right. Anyway. Right. Right, and then when Lugo doesn't have his best stuff, and he goes for six on a night that, if we had a pregame show like many, like every team does, right? We talk about the keys of the game. Mm-hmm. Do you ever notice how often those keys of the game don't have anything to do with the game? Right, and 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 yet the t- you're, the team you're covering won or lost or whatever, right. right? Yesterday was one of those rare games where they needed Lugo to go at least six. Mm-hmm. And they needed their offense to jump on er- the Braves early and take them out of the game. And that was essentially, you tell me another way they were going to win this game with right. their bullpen consisting of Tapia, Chris Matt, and maybe Brent Honeywell, because who they don't want to push because of his elbow issues. Sure. Maybe Steven Wilson if they had to have a closer, or Tim Hill if they had to have a closer. But basically, Tapia and Chris Matt were their options. So they had to score a lot of runs and have Lugo go deep. And they did it. That was a great game for the Padres. Yeah, and and you're telling me, by the way, Seth Lugo doesn't show back up at City Field today. A long time met the team that really wouldn't give him a chance to start. And he shows up with an ERA of a buck and a half and a whip of one. And they're they're hurting a little tiny bit. Um, you could say make the argument they didn't need Seth Lugo. Right. Well, they could use him now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Kevin, last thing before we go, and this is kind of esoteric, but I'm, I'm in an esoteric mood today. Wow. The Padres just proved that they can slug it out with a team that is the favorite to go to the World Series this year. How important is it early on in the season that they show that they can hang with these teams that are also considered among the best in baseball? Because we're going to see that, right? I mean, we're going to see the Mets a couple of weeks after that. We're going to see the Dodgers. Um to because I, I find it significant, but uh-huh. I'm not with the team every day. Okay. I want to see it happen again here before I say, oh wow, that's big. Let's see it happen again here. I want to see him go home and and uh take three or four against the Brewers or or in this is it isn't it Brewers Braves, yeah. uh, you know, win this homestand. Mm-hmm. I want to see when they go play the Yankees, and then sometime in May. Then I'll say, yeah, these these early season series could make a difference because I still have in my mind, there's no way you're going to tell me that you have ever seen in person a better April series than 2021. Padres take three of four in Dodger Stadium. Yep. Tatis yep. homers. The uh, Trevor the Bauer double, stuff. Yep. The double play started by Cronenworth. Um, Darvish gutting it out. Weathers gutting it out. It was phenomenal. We thought, I mean, four and a half hour games. Those games were so good that even with the pitch clock, they might have been four hours. Like, it was incredible. And we were convinced this is what it was going to be all season. So as much as I really enjoyed this series, I enjoyed game one, game two, game three. Uh, They were just battles. Mm -hmm. They were, they really were battles. You can't call April games playoff games, but they were, they were as close as you could come in April. I mean, whatever that means. Right. Um, it's April. It's so April. I'm validating what you're saying. I'm also trying to say like, hey, let's wait and see because three or four against the Braves, uh, you go home and lose three or four to the Brewers. Right. Who are you? Yeah. No, it's a great point. It's a great point. The Brewers, mm-hmm. they're good, man. I mean, there might be uh, eight teams in the National League that are good and the Brewers are one of them. So in this stretch of 24 of 25 to start the season, heck, the, um, you know who ends that stretch? The Diamondbacks, who are tied with the Padres for first place after taking three of four in Los Angeles. 
You were the first guy, Kevin. You were the first guy. You said to me in Peoria in March, no, the Diamondbacks are, are, are they're good. In- Pitching, defense, on the outfield in particular, and on the bases. So not the formula of these days, but maybe right. the formula of pitch clock. We'll see. Uh, yeah. You know, exploiting some things. Yep. Yep. Aggressive base runners, young and athletic. Uh, reminds yep. me. Reminds me of what we thought the Padres of a decade ago were. Yeah. Don't know that they're not good enough. That happens. Like you could see this Corbin Carroll. What's the other kid? The Muck kid. I don't know. Yeah. But you could see this young team of the Diamondbacks with the the, the catcher Moreno. Yep. Um. Uh, sorry, I paid attention to the Padres and I, I just, you know, oh, I love Josh Rojas. Yeah. Oh, you could see them being good this year, winning like, you know, 88 games and next year reverting yep. because people figure them out or in the second half of the season, people figuring them out. But right now, the Diamondbacks are young enough to not know that they're not supposed to be in first place and they Great. do have talent. So I'm telling you, they're a dangerous team. You'd rather play the Diamondbacks maybe later in the season when they're not rocking. No, that's so. a great point. That's a great point. Awesome. Well, that'll do it because we're right up on the 30-minute mark here. That'll do it for this episode of the Hot Lava Podcast. For Kevin Acey, Ryan Finley, we'll see you next time.